Good morning and welcome to the Trinity Sunday. As I was mentioning uh, to some before we started recording, this uh, should be our last Zoom uh, church for a while. So um, next week we should be able to gather. Um, so let's get her done, I guess, right? Let us uh, prepare our hearts and minds for our worship. God, in your wisdom, hear our prayer. Holy God, you are more than we can know or name. Yet we call on you again and again, for you alone are God. We cannot live apart from you, for you have called us into your triune life. Your steadfast love surrounds us all your days, all our days, wherever we may be on a high mountain or a path in a shadowed valley, at a crossroads on our journey, outside the gates of welcome or in some inner circle, you call to us, delighting in the human race. We come before you in thanksgiving for all the gifts you have given that delight us so, for the beauty of this season, for the lives of those who bless us beyond their knowing, for this community of faith which we are nurtured and challenged, for opportunities to serve you by serving others, for goals accomplished, and for the gift of life granted yet again today. We come before you humbly and hopeful in need, for those who know, we know who are suffering today because of illness in mind, body, or spirit. For those trying to make a difficult decision. For those grieving a loss and ending a dream deferred. We pray for healing and strength in every broken place of our lives. We long for the hope you alone can give. Hope that does not disappoint us, but rolls away stones of death and despair. We pray for those whose livelihood is precarious. For those who live at the edge of poverty's precipice, and for those who live in temporary shelter and tenuous provision. In the public square and in the privacy of our conscience, help us find the will and the way toward a common good. We come before you earnestly and urgently for this world in turmoil, for the chaos loose in the natural world, drought and floods, earthquakes and tornadoes, heal the earth we pray. May those who are starving, thirsty, or left in destruction's debris be restored. We pray for the turmoil we cause through war and violence, hatred and prejudice, by our indifference and by our calculation. Bring an end to our warring ways until civilians and soldiers live in safety and peace. Root out of our hearts the seeds of bigotry and narrow-mindedness. Stir us from apathy, increase us in empathy, that we may love as you love. Holy God, we have done so much to disrupt 
disengage, and even destroy what you have created and called good. Still, you are determined to delight in the human race. So make us delightful. Help us to delight in you by living and playing in ways that please you. Help us to delight in neighbors near and far by living and playing in ways that restore true communion. Make us delightful in our, in our days until we greet with joy the kingdom you are bringing. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning is uh, Romans 5, verse 1 through 5. Uh, I'm a little off um, lectionary, just in case anyone's keeping track. Um, I'm just a little bit off this week, so uh, I am doing Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, that has been given to us. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, God. This week, I was looking for a picture of my grandmother, and I came across a letter that was sent to my father about 50 years ago after he returned home from Vietnam from one of his uh, Vietnam buddies. And I told Dad about it, and I said, it seems like Sonny was a little bit naughty. He keeps talking about Article 15s and a couple people he knows getting court-martialed. And Dad goes, ah, no, he was the company clerk, so he was doing all the typing. Oh, okay, I said. And I realized how important context is, especially when we're reading other people's old mail. And a lot of the New Testament is just that, the letters of Paul. We are reading other people's old mail. And so it's very important to know the context uh, in which they were writing. Rome in the last days and years of Paul's life was not an awesome place for those who were not elite loyal Romans. In the years of, oh, I've got two people waiting. Hang on, see, this is what I do. Um, in the years of Emperor Nero's reign, those that followed different religions were often gathered up to live in ghettos or expelled from the city altogether. Jews, Greeks, Christians, anyone who was deemed different or less than. Now, for those who don't know a lot about Nero, we're going to have a little bit of a history lesson. And for those who might know Nero well, it doesn't hurt to have a refresher. 
In no uncertain terms, Nero was insane. The city of Rome was configured not too much different than it is today. At the time, the imperial palace sat on the Palatine Hill, which is actually where I, we get our word for palace. Each emperor also had a circus, which is a long horseshoe-shaped arena where they would host games and expositions. The Circus of Nero was up on the Vatican Hill, which is today where St. Peter's Basilica sits. Each emperor had their own ideas of what halftime fun was, and in his circus, Nero would round up Christians and execute them for entertainment. Though it has been a few months now since any of us attended or watched a live sporting event, Quarter breaks and media timeouts make room for a myriad of entertainment. The cheerleaders come out and do a cheer, or the pep band plays a quick song, while Emperor Nero killed people. Although we are focusing on a writing from Paul today, it's important to note here that Peter was martyred at one such halftime show. Between the chariot races, he and others deemed criminals in Nero's eyes were crucified. Peter's body was flung over the wall to be hastily buried in the necropolis next to the circus, the site marked now by the altar in St. Peter's. Now Nero felt that, that the gigantic palace on the giant hill that so many emperors had lived in before was not good enough for him. The ruins are still there, and I can tell you they're plenty big enough. Anyway, Nero made plans and built a new palace not far from the old. His new palace would be known as the Golden Palace because it was accented in marble and gold. Nero wanted a reflecting pool for his palace, but there was a problem. Right on the prime real estate for the pool stood a neighborhood of apartments occupied by some of the poorer people of Rome, the Jews, the Greeks, and the Christians. One night, the neighborhood burned to the ground, freeing up the space Nero needed for his reflecting pool. How convenient. Today, the palace where the pool was is the Colosseum. After Nero's death, the palace fell into disuse as the emperor moved back to the Palatine Hill. It has never been uncovered, mostly because the people of Rome feel that it is a blight on their history. It is now a hill covered with grass and trees, forgotten. It's with all of this in mind that we read Paul's letter that he wrote to the Romans. The people were suffering and struggling to find God throughout their experiences. Paul reminded the people that God was the God of hope. Paul gave the people of first century Rome a way to turn their suffering into the best versions of themselves. Their faith in God allowed them to do that. Their knowledge of the truth of Christ allowed them to hear Paul's words. Their faith in what they knew of Jesus Christ allowed them to improve their strength in the Spirit. You see, Paul took the suffering that he knew that people had 
and gave them a way to use it to to strengthen their connection to Christ. He took their situation and made sure they knew that God was ever-present. For Paul, patience develops strength of character which helps build trust in God, which makes hope and faith strong and steady. I know I have shared this story with you before, but as the story of the plight of the Christians in Rome bears repeating, so does this one. In Japan, there is a form of pottery that has been around for centuries called kitsuji. Broken pottery is fixed with gold, making the piece not only whole again, but more beautiful and stronger than it was before. When I was a kid, I broke a plate by accident. For their wedding, my parents had received a set of sandstone dishes, and we used them for everyday dining. I was probably about five and was helping set the table. I set the plate down and it cracked all the way through, right in half. One of my parents attempted to use glue to fix the plate, and it did an okay job. It never gained its full strength and capacity. The glue just wasn't enough. I have that set of dishes at the house here now, and I'm careful when that particular plate comes around so that I don't put too much strain on it. When we try to take over, when we take away our faith in Christ, our brokenness is like the glue. The pieces still fit back together, and if we are really careful and don't put too much pressure on ourselves, we might stay together. The glue is okay, it gets the job done, but it is not the best. But when we remember Christ, and when we remember him in our brokenness, and when we remember to allow Christ to work within us and through us, our broken pieces come back together and are stronger than before. You see, our ideas are the glue, but Christ is the gold. Suffering is going to happen in life. There have been many clear examples of that throughout history, and nothing more obvious than what is afflicting our world right now. Even though our society is starting to come back together, we, the virus is not gone. We still need to take precaution. Even in the protests for the Black Lives Matter movement, there are still people persecuted in this world simply because of the color of their skin. And the pandemic hasn't canceled all of the issues we as individuals, congregations, or even communities have been facing for a while now. In the midst of pandemic, life has moved forward. And some of us are suffering with illness, loss, and hunger. Suffering just is a part of life. And our Creator God, through the Son and the Holy Spirit, is right there next to us throughout it all. No pain, no gain is a popular saying, especially in sports. In life, however, it isn't the best analogy. God does not wish us to suffer. God does not wish to put us through the grinder in order to show our love and dedication. 
It gives unrealistic expectations of God's mercy and grace. The idea that if we just sit here in our plight, we will eventually gain entrance into heaven is a poor theology that has damaged the church throughout the centuries. Paul's advancement advancement and the suffering Paul's advancement that suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope, reminds us that we need not waste the suffering. We cannot ignore it. We must learn from it. Our suffering in life reminds us that in hope there is disappointment. There, excuse me, there is no disappointment. Quite a different meaning there, sorry. Because our hope brings us to the love of God. From examples in my own life, I know what it's like to have certain things happen, and I will do anything in my power to make sure that the children of God are not treated or have to go through what I have had to go through. Ignoring it or wasting the lessons learned when times are hard leads down a darker path. One that Master Yoda taught us. When we do not have hope, we often have fear. And fear leads to anger, and anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. But not to a suffering that can turn around and produce hope, but a suffering that causes more pain and more suffering. We cannot afford to waste our experiences amidst our suffering. The hope we gain through suffering also gives us peace. Real peace, though, is not something that we just wake up with one day without putting effort in. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, real peace is active. It is a verb. Real peace comes from the blood, sweat, and tears of cultiva cultivating our relationship with Christ. It means that we have to have constant contact with our Lord. We are all in charge of building our relationship, keeping and sustaining the connection. There are so many ways to do this, many of them while maintaining social distance and safety standards that we now have had to add into our daily lives. We can pray every day. No time apart, no rules set by anyone can stop us from crying our from quieting our own minds and praying. We can take a walk or a ride through God's creation and notice the active presence of God in the growth of the crops, the budding of the trees and the flowers as we are entering into our summer season. We can give back to those in need through different, different organizations set up to help the children of God who are, for whatever reason, unable to help themselves at the moment. And seeing the face of God on each person who comes to us in need. Perhaps our way of using our hope is bridging a gap between warring, between warring family members or friends. Perhaps it is following the example of Jesus Christ and sticking up for those who are being bullied or kept on the outskirts of society. 
Through the suffering of this world, we must all find the peace of Christ at work. Through the brokenness of this world, we must set aside the glue, the dried-out tube that doesn't have the correct chemistry to adhere to this type of break. We set it aside for the gold, the strong, beautiful, and priceless Jesus Christ. Amen. I ask you to live this day in patient endurance and stand firm in the hope that comes from God, that others may see the glory of God made known in Jesus Christ our Lord. May the grace of Christ Jesus grant you peace. May the Holy Spirit guide you into the truth. And may the love of God fill your heart so that you may find hope in every circumstance of this life and give glory to God. And now as the children of God, let us pray as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.